from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing November the 29th. Hi, I'm Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Brian, VK3HXR. Hello, everybody. Hello. Well, it's been a few months since we've been on the news there, Brian. And they let us back on. They did, indeed. What's wrong with those people? Did you get any fan mail? I did. Mum knows exactly where I live. So oh. I got one piece. Did you? <laughs> no, I didn't get any, no, so sorry. not surprising. All right, Brian, you've got the first story this week. I do. It's about the triple zero number, the emergency phone call. A uh, man lying in a hospital bed phoned triple zero to get urgent medical help when no one responded to the nurse call button in the hospital. The man was in the Hobart Private Hospital's high dependency unit in VK7 after an operation and woke to find he was bleeding. He rang his bell to obtain help from nursing staff, said the Health Complaints Commissioner's annual report, which was released a couple of days ago. Finally, the man called emergency triple zero telephone number before he was being treated. Commissioner Alston's report said the night duty supervisor arrived at the man's bedside at the same time as two nurses who had been attending the other patients in the ward. It's a bit rough. It is indeed. Now, do you remember the, uh, that plane that went down over Exmouth? And, uh, I do, yes. You do. Well, there's been a bit of news on that too. And the latest theory is uh, space radiation. So did space radiation near, near that uh, jet liner? It was wasn't me. It wasn't you. Well, they're saying that cosmic rays are the latest theory as to the cause of the Qantas flight in October of last year that gave its passengers and crew a roller coaster ride as the aircraft's nose pitched violently downwards twice in rapid succession. The Australian Transport Safety Board is now seriously considering whether cosmic radiation corrupted the aircraft's flight control systems, throwing passengers and in cabin luggage around. Eleven passengers and a flight attendant were the seriously injured. The jet made an emergency landing rather than continue after plunging 650 feet, levelling out only to drop a further 400 feet. A stream of high-energy galactic and solar radiation constantly interacts with the Earth's upper atmosphere. This can create neutrons with the potential to affect aircraft's avionic systems. Earlier thoughts that electromagnetic radiation from passengers' laptop computers or a powerful radio signal from a military base near the flight path have both been ruled out as a cause of the malfunction. The International Space Station experiences cosmic ray interaction and special precautions are taken to protect the spacecraft and its crew. I'm Barry Robinson, VK3 Papa Victor, and you're listening to VK1 WIA. I thought it might have been a mobile phone or a, or a laptop, but they seem to have ruled that out. Well, that's what they say. On to hams across Australia, straight down to VK4. Last weekend, November 22nd, the Townsville Amateur Radio Club held her 2009 AGM amongst the shady trees and well-maintained gardens of Rossiter Park in Atkinvale. An eager throng of attendees were at the venue from 7am when Ken, VK4QZ, cranked up his barbecue with wheels and proceeded to turn out yummy pancakes made to Lex's modified recipe by Richard VK4FRJG. But not only pancakes, but a true ham and eggs feast. The AGM proceedings got underway from 8.30am and with the local hams present at the meeting. Details from Matt Mann in the local Queensland Q News this morning. And that's all for Hams Across Australia. Indeed. Education, youth and advancement of amateur radio. <laughs> this is the perfect story for me. Yeah. Now you know it's all Greek to me. Well, it's all Greek to you and It is. Ask any high school student, any high school physics student, and they'll tell you that electrons govern pretty much everything we do. We call electrons in motion an electrical current. 
And those radio waves that we hams are so fond of are the result of high-frequency electrons travelling in our antenna conductors. Think of a 40-metre wave as an accidental tourist who wants to go somewhere. Somewhere nice and warm, maybe with a red DX station. But how to get there, that's the question. It needs some mode of transport. Think of electrons as the transport providers. We use our transmitters to move the electrons in our antennas to and fro and produce radio waves, hopefully to that rare DX destination. Maybe with a cocktail on the side. Yeah. When the radio waves get there, they, they uh, set electrons in another antenna in motion. That current, electrons in motion, is the amplified and detected at the receiving station and a QSO is made. But why do we call them electrons? I don't know, Greek one, tell me. <laughs> the great Greek one. Yep. The ancient Greeks noticed that amber attracted small objects when rubbed with fur. Apart from lightning, this phenomenon is thought to be man's earliest known experience of electricity. Back in the year 1600, the English physician, William Gilbert, in his treaty De Magnete, de, mm. it'll be in the text edition, yes. coined the new Latin term electricus to refer to this property of attracting small objects after being rubbed. Thanks to the ARRL for that. Yeah, thanks for that. Now, donation to the Irish Society. The IRTS has received a very generous donation from one of its members, John EI6IJ, for health reasons, and John has been forced to cease driving and has presented the Society with his 2008 Kia Rio hatchback automatic. Well, there you go. Society gets a car. The car has been converted for disabled use and professionally fitted out with an FT857. It's intended that the proceeds from the sale of the car would be used to assist members who, for reasons of changed circumstances such as ill health or change of accommodation, are finding it difficult to practice and enjoy their hobby. The fund will also support the promotion of amateur radio in schools and other youth organisations. Well done to John, EI6IJ. Thanks, John. And will we, will we be seeing a patrol in the WIA's future? I don't know. Not yours? Not no. mine. <laughs> Mine's a little too small. Well, there, there is another patrol in the fleet. Yeah, there is? There is. International news now. And uh, a sad, sad, sorry day. Um, it's an unfortunate uh, for me to report to all our dear listeners. Yes. The ICOM IC706 has, has ceased production. No. I'm telling you. Oh, no. That's that's... How many do you own, Robert? Three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I thought two, one. I, no, I have one. You, you have one. Well, I've got one in the car, yep. one in the shack, and one in the uh, foundation assessment kit. Lucky foundation holders, or That's foundation at candidates, and, anyway. And field days, too. Now, the news filtered through from ICOM Japan that that very popular 706 Mark IIG HF, VHF, UHF transceiver has ceased production. Advice has also been received from ICOM premium dealer Navcom Electronics that there are only 14 units currently held in stock in Australia and that this stock is expected to de deplete rapidly. I should certainly say so. There is good news as well, though, as from the 16th of November 2009, all ICOM amateur radio equipment is being backed with a five-year warranty. Thanks to Baz VK4TBD at Navcom Electronics for most of this information. Five years. Five years. Mine only had one when I bought it a few years ago. That's, that's it's phenomenal. It's new, though. Mine still is not getting a lot of work that's out. That's a very good deal. Okay. E-voting comes to the RSGB. Electronic voting has come to the Radio Society of Great Britain's elections. This with the word that the new electronic voting system administered by the Electoral Reform Society is now up and running for voting in the RSGB 2009 balloting. There are four board places to be filled, and Region 9 has also had an election for the regional representative position. RSGB members have until noon on December the 10th to register their vote online. 
Not a bad initiative. No. Famed inventor Lewis King passes away. Lewis Arthur King, at age 94, the founder of Kintronic Labs, has passed away. Considered to be one of the nation, that's America's, finest consulting engineers, Lewis King started his engineering career as a professor in the electrical engineering department at Clemson College, now Clemson University. That's where he instituted the teaching of radio engineering courses. He later went on to help design the first air-cooled 50-kilowatt AM transmitter at RCA and received the patent for the bistable multi-vibrator, better known as the flip-flop circuit. And I remember that from my computer science training. Yeah. That's how the memory circuits work. Lewis King was recognised by the National Association of Broadcasters in 2007 as the recipient of the NAB Lifetime Radio Engineering Achievement Award. And thanks to uh, AR Newsline for that story. G8KW, silent key. Rolly Shears, G8KW, who established KW Electronics, has passed away at the age of 90. Those UK uh, radio amateurs who joined the hobby in the 50s or 60s will be familiar with the range of amateur rigs that KW Electronics produced at Vanguard Work in Dartford, Kent. During this period, KW Electronics was the UK's leading amateur radio manufacturer. Rally G8KW will be fondly remembered by users of rigs such as the KW Vanguard, KW Valiant, Viceroy, Vespa and the KW2000. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Uh, here's a story that probably... Uh could qualify, I think, for the uh, weird and wonderful. Communications in a shrimp's eyes. From the technology page comes the story of the remarkable eyes of a marine crustacean could inspire the next generation of DVD, CD players and possibly telecommunications gear. This according to a new study from the University of Bristol published in Nature Photonics. Amateur Radio Newsline's Bruce Tennant, K6PZW, is a recent cast, said that the mantis shrimps used in the study are found in the Great Barrier Reef here in Australia and have most, the most complex vision system known to science. They can see 12 colours, whilst human eyes can only see three. Also, it can distinguish the difference between different forms of polarised light. Special light-sensitive cells in the mantis shrimp's eyes act as a quarter-wave plates which can rotate the plane of the polarisation of the light waves as it travels through it. This capability makes it possible for the mantis shrimps to convert linear polarised light to circularly polarised light and vice versa. Man-made quarter-wave plates perform this essential function in a CD and DVD players in circular polarising filters for cameras. However, these artificial devices only tend to work well for one colour of light, while the natural mechanism of the mantis shrimp's eyes works almost perfectly across the whole visual spectrum from near ultraviolet light to infrared. Now, this would not be the first time that humans have looked into the nature world for new ideas. In another bit of research, the lobster's compound eye recently inspired the design of the X-ray detector for astronomical telescopes. This new research into the amazing vision capabilities of the mantis shrimp and how it might one day improve communications in a human world was conducted at the University of Bristol School of Biological Science in collaboration with the college's University of Queensland here in VK. I think I need to get a uh, subscription to 
Nature Photonics or something. And a set of mantis shrimp eye glasses? Yeah, well, it's, it's here in VK, so we should be able to get our hands on some mantis shrimp and tell you if it's tasty as well as uh, Circu- scientifically circu- important. Yeah, circularly polarised glasses. And we've been doing a bit of photography, haven't we? We have. Operational news and on-air contest column, Dateline 2009, November 28-29, VK Spring VHF UHF Field Day, November 28-29, same weekend, CQ Worldwide CW. Now the dates are here for the John Moyle Field Day, that's March 21-22 next year, so get ready for that. And uh, remember that the December 6th broadcast, a week away, will, will feature a special RD expose by Peter Harding, the contest manager, over the last couple of years. As this is an important report, he trusts you will tune in. So listen in next week. We'll be back for next week. We too, will indeed. Unless they yank us after this uh, <laughs> After this effort, effort, yes. Okay, special event calls Beacons DX and Net Advice. HF on the net. That's www.timrobertsyehid.au. You can get that one off the text edition. GB40 WIAB, the 40th anniversary of the WIAB. Now that's on until December the 31st. OZ168. 1658 Ross 350th anniversary of the Treaty of Roskilde. That's on until December the 31st. In fact, all the rest are as well, including well, various SM stations using 1658. Yeah. And the VP9 400 home call of the 400th anniversary of Bermuda. And the VR 2009 EAG, the 5th Asian Games in Hong Kong. And? YL90 AIR, 90 years of Latvian Air Force. Remember, they're all current until the close of this calendar year. And come back right after these special messages. Want to make a New Year's resolution? Well, here's a suggestion that will benefit the hobby you enjoy, Amateur Radio. Take the personal action to encourage at least one other person to become a radio amateur. What an enormous impact it would have if we all did that in the coming 12 months. And we're back. And back with more special events, Beacon DX and Net Advice with the 29th Indian Antarctic Expedition. VU3 BPZ will be in Antarctica with the 29th IAE. The crew has finished the pre-Antarctic training and medical checks and the overwintering team will start a long-term operation until March 2011. VU3 BPZ will be on air from the Maytree base uh, using his personal call sign and a special call sign on the way to be issued by the Ministry of Communication and IT, especially for the event. QSL via VU3 MKE. Listen out for them. We will indeed. Okay, Daniel, EI9 FHB should be active from the Kish Lighthouse until Wednesday the 9th of December. The Kish Lighthouse is located about 10 miles east of Dunlogway and marks the sandbank on the route to Wales. This newish light was built in 1965 as undergoing a major overhaul of its power systems and its navigational aids. Daniel will be operational on HF Voice. Listen out for them as well. Cool. On to wireless weather. Solid cycle 24 continues to ramp up. Between the SIDC in Belgium and the NOAA, NOAA slash SWPC, they've renumbered a few, some of the uh, sunspot uh, groups and we're saying that cycle 24 is here with Catania number 28 uh, containing some beta magnetic signature capable of producing very small B-class solar flares. They've renumbered uh, the old uh, 11033 to call it uh, Catania 30 and uh, moved around number 31, I think, as well. Solar flux index is 77.4 
and this new group could push the SFI above 80 in the coming days. This would see a maximum usable frequency of the F layer high enough to improve propagation conditions for 2017 and 15. And uh, full details are in the text edition. That's good news for the HF uh, enthusiasts. Very good. Okay. The Q News Workbench, the Nuts and Volts Report. Measure twice and cut once, as they say, Brian. Bose introduces a wireless streaming audio speaker. Equipment maker Bose has introduced its new SoundLink wireless music system. This one-piece portable speaker system allows users to play streaming audio from their computer wirelessly in and around the home. The new SoundLink system was designed as a simple solution for people who listen to the sound stored on their computer, but do not necessarily want to be at their computer to hear it, of course. No software or Wi-Fi connection is required. Just plug in the included USB key into your computer, select the sound from any internet source, and the audio stream is going to be directed to the SoundLink system via the long-range wireless link that works through most walls and floors. The included infrared remote control operates the power and volume and it can be used to transport the controls commands to most applications allowing users to skip tracks and play and pause from a distance. More information about this novel product is online www.bose.com and thanks to AR Newsline for that story. Now, PL259 connector tool for coax cables. Are you tired of using pliers to screw on the PL259 connectors when you're preparing cables? This workbench tip from the pages of the ARRL letter. Pliers always seem to do some damage by the amount of force this task requires, so I use an inexpensive half-inch PVC female-to-male coupler. Simply use the step-down drill and ream out the female end. This works for most half-inch coax cables. The PL259s do vary in diameter. Be sure to measure yours before you ream out the PVC adapter. It will not take a lot of reaming for the connector to fit snugly. The outer part of the PL259 that fits into the connector is about 0.55 inch diameter. This makes a secure fit. If you wear out the adapter, purchase another as they are inexpensive. This works for Paul K4AVU. Thank you for the note. Thanks, Paul. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, Radio Amateur Old Timers. Old Timers, members and friends of the Radio Amateur Old Timers Clubs of Australia, you're reminded that the next news and information broadcast will take place on the first Monday of the month using your RAOTC call sign of VK3OTN. 10am Victorian time on 7.060 and 3.650 MHz plus 1.843 MHz AM and on the 2 metre band, 145.700. On 14.150 MHz at 0100 hours UTC beaming north and at 0200 hours UTC beaming west from Melbourne. And for those not yet retired, try 8.30pm Victorian time tuning in on the 80 metre band on 3.650 MHz and if you're in Tasmania on Victorian time, that's 8.30 on the Mount Duncan repeater with a frequency of 146.625. With the objective to maintain interest and good fellowship amongst those who are qualified for membership, full membership of the RAOTC is available to any person who has held or has been qualified to hold an amateur radio licence for... A minimum of 25 years. A minimum of 25 years indeed. Associate membership is also available to any person who has held or has been qualified to hold an amateur licence for a minimum of 10 years. I'm halfway there. You are indeed. Associate members are entitled to all the privileges of full membership except the right to vote and to hold office. The Radio Amateur Old Timers address is in the text edition of this news broadcast. And with thanks to Southgate, we go to the Worldwide Special Interest Group's Internet, the Hams Domain, and the story, Become Become a Martian. Martian. 
NASA and Microsoft Corp have collaborated to create a website where internet users can have fun while advancing their knowledge of Mars. Sounds good. Do, 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 do. Uh, drawing on observations from NASA's Mars missions, the Be a Martian website will enable the public to participate as citizen scientists to improve Martian maps, take part in research tasks, and assist Mars science teams studying data about the red planet. We're at a point in history where everyone can be an explorer, said Doug McKilston, director of the Mars Exploration Program at NASA headquarters in Washington. With so much data coming back from Mars missions that are accessible by all, exploring Mars has become a shared human endeavour. People worldwide can expand the specialised efforts of a few hundred Mars mission team members and make authentic contributions of their own. Participants will be able to explore details of the solar system's grandest canyon, which resides on Mars. Users can call up images of the Valles Marineras Canyon before moving on to chart the entire red planet. The collaboration of thousands of participants could assist scientists in producing far better maps, smoother zoom-in views, and make for easier interpretation of Martian surface changes. To enrol as a virtual Martian citizen and start exploring, visit the URL typed up in this week's text edition of the WIA News. I'll actually give that because this is an interesting one. Okay. B, that is B-E, A, Martian, dot J-P-L, dot NASA, dot gov. Thanks to Southgate. Be a Martian. Be a Martian. Be a Martian. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Okay, Worldwide Special Interest Group's QRP. And version 2.0 of WSPR has been released. Joe Taylor, K1JT, has released a new version of WSPR. Now, WSPR, pronounced whisper. Whisper stands for Weak Signal Propagation Reporter. This program is designed for sending and receiving low-power transmissions to test propagation paths on the MF and HF bands. Users with internet access can watch the results in real time at WhisperNet. Whisper 2.0 introduces a number of new features, including a user-friendly setup screen with drop-down selection of audio devices and rig control parameters, support for compound call signs, fine selection of the fractional time for transmitting, and a tune button. A new advanced setup screen offers optional CW identification and tools for frequency calibration and automated correction for your radio. Full details are presented in the WSPR 2.0 User's Guide, which you will need to read in order to use all of these new features. WSPR 2.0 can be downloaded from the link provided in the text edition, again, of this news broadcast. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio, Emergency Frequencies and IIRU Region 3, they're 3 3.60, 7.11, 14.13, 18.160 and 21.360. Disaster Communications on Facebook. You take this one, Brian. Members of TC SWAT, the Turkish Special Wireless Activity Team, have set up a new platform for the Disaster Communications on Facebook. You can click the link in the text edition this week to be a member of Disaster Communication. Thank you, Brian. And now with a report on VK3RTV, a DATV update, here's Barry Robinson, VK3PV. The digital amateur television VK3RTV on Mount Dandenong, east of Melbourne, is now operational with analogue inputs on 1250 MHz and 10.41 GHz, and now DVB-S on 1276 MHz. New downlink antenna is being built for the DVB-S on 1250 MHz. 
Repeater custodian Peter Cousins VK3BFG advises that it is resulting in a very good quality and no pixelation on fast-moving objects. VK3RTV operates on 446.5 MHz with a multiplexed output providing VK3RTV1 and VK3RTV2. Each channel runs at 5.5 megabits. There are many set-top boxes and some USB digital receivers with manual tune capabilities that will receive the signal. Further developments for VK3RTV project include touch-tone selected signal and quality reports. A number of radio amateurs are receiving VK3RTV on domestic television antennas. Others need a good 70cm Yagi. The digitisation of VK3RTV is funded by Amateur Radio Victoria with additional support of $1,000 from the WIA Club's grants program, plus volunteer out-of-pocket and in-kind donations. I'm Barry Robinson, VK3 Popper Victor, and you're listening to VK1 WIA. Thanks, Barry. Thank you, Barry. Rewind, a look back in history. The world's first radio station. What is the world's first radio station? Although AM broadcasts were tested in 1906 and used for voice and music up until World War I, it wasn't until 1916 in Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania, when 8XK began regularly scheduled broadcasts. 8XK would receive the first official broadcasting licence in 1920 with a call sign KDKA. But there's more to the story. At 6pm on November 2, 1920, the US presidential election returns were announced from a shack in East Pittsburgh by Leo Rosenberg and KDKA became the world's first commercial radio station. More on this story at the National Museum of Broadcasting website on the URL that can be found in this week's printed report. All right, as we finish up this week's broadcast, Brian. Social scene. Social scene, and thanks to uh, Graham for uh, letting us have the hot seat again. But Thank here we can. go. And January the 4th to the 14th in VK2. It's the Australian Scout Jamboree, Cataract Park Scout Camp Park, south of Sydney. Still in VK2, January 24, Mid-North Coast Amateur Radio Group's Radio Expo 2010, 8.30am at St John's Church Hall, McLean Street, Coffs Harbour. Be there. And January 30th in VK4, the Bunyan Mountains and District AMCOM host Ham and Wine Fest 2010 at McLagan. February 14th in VK3, happy Valentine's Day by going to the WIA 100 Centre Victoria Radio Fest. Number three. Yes, for all the lovers of ham radio. That's it. Bring the girls. That's it. And not long after, in February the 28th, it's the Wyong Field Day, of course, at the Wyong Racecourse. We'll have it each year. April 2, in VK3, Midland Amateur Radio Group's Radio and Electronics and Astronomy Expo, venue to be advised. June the 5th, in VK2, it's the Oxy Region Amateur Radio Club's 35th Annual Field Day. Back in VK3, July 17, GGREC Hamfest, starting 10am. October the 29th to the 31st, the VK100 WIA Westlakes Amateur Radio Club, they're operating their course on during their WIA centenary celebrations. November 7, VK5, Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society Hamfest, Rosa Street, Goodwood, where it always is. And the 15th IARU Region 3 Conference, hosted by the VARC in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. Looking forward as a special... Uh 2012 installation here on the news. January 25th, uh, sorry, January 23rd to Feb 17 is the World uh, Radio Conference WRC 11. So if you've got any um, 
suggestions, send them through now. You'll have some time to do You've some revisions. You've got a couple of years there. A couple of years, get, yes. To get your stuff to Geneva. And then still in May, in 2012, May 7, sorry, May 4 to 7 in VK5 is the YL International in Australia. That's the final, it. final. That's it. All right, thank you very much, Brian, for uh, joining me this week on WIA National News. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Graham, for uh, letting us uh, have a go. Feedback to our call signs at wia.org.au. That's it. Write in and let us know what you think. Be nice. Please. Bye-bye. See ya. We've reported, you decide.